Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I'm Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. In today's lesson, we are covering chapter 17 through 24 of 2 Chronicles. And this reviews four kings and one queen's reign of Judah. So up to this time, we had the whole nation of Israel with three kings, Saul, then David, and then Solomon. The kingdom was divided after Solomon's son Rehoboam took office, and this was in 931 BC. So now we have a divided kingdom. The northern ten tribes are called Israel. From the get-go, their kings did evil in the eyes of the Lord to some degree, and this was evaluated because they always worshipped other gods. The chronicler focuses on the southern tribes of Israel, Judah and Benjamin, and they're called Judah. And it is through David's line, his covenant, that there is always a king on the throne, except for a short time that there was a wicked queen. The three kings covered yesterday were Rehoboam, Abijah, and Asa. Today we're looking at Jehoshaphat, Jehoram, Ahaziah, Queen Athaliah, and Joash. This takes us to around 800 B.C. Well, the last king, King Asa, was basically a good king, and now his son Jehoshaphat reigns, chapter 17. Jehoshaphat also was a good king, and he followed after his ancestor, King David. He sought the Lord God of his fathers. He walked in his commands. Therefore, God blessed him. He even removed the high places of false worship from the land, plus he sent Levites and priests to his sons throughout the cities of Judah to teach the people the book of the law of the Lord. And the fear of the Lord fell upon all of the kingdoms of the land around Judah, so they would not make war with Jehoshaphat. His kingdom was strong, and he also had many mighty men. As seems to be the way it goes, Jehoshaphat had great riches and honor, and then he joined forces with the king of Israel, Ahab. No, not Ahab. Jehoshaphat's son married Ahab's daughter. King Ahab of Israel asked for Jehoshaphat's help in taking the city Ramoth-Gilead. This used to be Israel's city, but now Syria has it. This was a border city of the two nations. The king of Judah answered, yes, but then he asked if there were prophets to ask about the Lord's plan. The king of Israel gathered 400 men and they all said, go, you got this. Then Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of the Lord? There was, but Ahab hated him because he never spoke favorably to him. His name was Micaiah, the son of Imlah. So they brought him forth. So the two kings sat in their royal robes on their royal thrones in a void place at the entrance of the gate of Samaria. Now the messenger that got Micaiah said, Please let the words you say be favorable to the king. And he responded, As the Lord lives, I will say what God tells me. 
Well, Micaiah came before the kings and they asked if they should go to battle. And this prophet seems to be a bit of a character because at first he says, sure, go and prosper. But King Ahab could tell by how he said it that it was not true. And then he said, did I not tell you that you need to tell me the truth when you come to me? So the prophet told the king, I did see all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said they have no master. So everyone returned to their house in peace. King Ahab then said to King Jehoshaphat, See, I told you he never speaks well of me. Of course, King Ahab never thinks about his ways are displeasing to the Lord either. Micaiah then said that the Lord revealed that the other prophets were given lying spirits in order to bring about King Ahab's death. One of those prophets slapped Micaiah and said, Which way did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, You will find out when you go and hide in your inner room. Micaiah was sent into prison until King Ahab returned in peace. And Micaiah got the last word. If you return in peace, then the Lord has not spoken by me. Then he said, listen, all ye people. Well, the kings did not listen. But Ahab thought he could out trick God. They went up to Ramoth Gilead. But Ahab disguised himself and used Jehoshaphat as a decoy in his kingly garb. Now why Jehoshaphat did not see what he was doing baffles me. As Ahab figured, the king of Syria and his armies went after Jehoshaphat thinking he was king of Israel. When he cried out, in Chronicles it says, And when Jehoshaphat cried out and the Lord helped him and God moved them to depart from him. In 1 Kings chapter 22, 32b and 33, it says, And Jehoshaphat cried out, and it came to pass, when the captains of the chariots perceived that it was not the king of Israel, that they turned back from pursuing him. The chronicler gives the hint that Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord, not just cried out to the Syrians. What King Ahab did not count on, however was that there would be a certain man, no name, who drew a bow at random, innocently, and it hit the king of Israel between the joints of his armor. In other words, what King Ahab did not count on was God. Ahab tells his chariot driver to take him back, for he is wounded. The battle increased, but the king stayed in his chariot until the evening, and he died. Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, returned to his home in Jerusalem in peace. Then Jehu, the son of Hanani, the seer, went out to meet Jehoshaphat and said, Should you help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore wrath is upon you from the Lord. Yet there are still some good things found in you. You took away the idolatrous high places in the land, and you have prepared your heart to seek God. King Jehoshaphat then again went through the land from Beersheba, which was the most southern tip of Judah, to Mount Ephraim. This is now the northernmost tip of Judah. If you remember, when Israel was one country, the phrase was from Dan to Beersheba, 
but Dan is now part of the northern kingdom and not of Judah. The king set up judges in the land to bring the Lord's judgment, not man's, to the people. Then verse 7 of chapter 19 says, Now let the fear of the Lord be upon you. Take heed and do it, for there is no iniquity with the Lord our God, nor respecter of persons, nor taking of gifts. He also set up the Levites and the priests and the chiefs for judgments and other controversies. And he charged them, Thus shall you do in the fear of the Lord, faithfully and with a perfect heart. Again, the word perfect here doesn't mean spotless, but complete or whole. He then appoints Amariah, the chief priest, and Zedadiah as the ruler of the house of Judah. He challenges again to deal courageously, and the Lord shall be with the good. Chapter 20 starts with, And it came to pass, Moab, Ammon, and some from Syria came against Jehoshaphat. The king feared and set himself to seek the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. The king stood in the congregation in the house of the Lord before the new court, and prayed. He acknowledged who God was, and then he said, We have no might against this great company, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon a Levite, Jehaziel. Be not afraid or dismayed, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Go down for battle, but you will not need to fight. Set yourself, stand up still, and see the salvation of the Lord that is with you. O Judah and Jerusalem, fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. The king and all the people bowed down and fell before the Lord and worshipped. Then the Levites stood up and praised the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice. They arose early the next day for battle, and King Jehoshaphat said, Fear not, O Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe his prophets. So you will prosper. Then appoint singers unto the Lord that would praise the beauty of holiness. And the singers went out before the army, and they said, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, the enemy began to fight each other, and they killed each other. King Jehoshaphat and his people took the spoils. Three days it took them. And on the fourth day, they assembled themselves in the valley and blessed the Lord. And then they returned to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had them to rejoice over their enemies. Chapter 20, verse 27. And when the surrounding nations heard what had happened, they feared God, which brought quiet and rest to Jehoshaphat's reign, which was a total of 25 years. Sadly, after this, he joined forces with the king of Israel again. Now it was Ahaziah, and he did wickedly. They tried to set up ships for trade, but because of the wickedness, the Lord broke those ships. Jehoshaphat died and was buried with his fathers in the city of David, and Jehoram his son reigned in his place. 
He became king because he was the firstborn, not because he was a righteous man. When he became king and was strong enough in his kingdom, he killed all of his brothers. He even killed some of the princes of Israel. He walked in the ways of the kings of Israel like Ahab because he was married to King Ahab's daughter, whose mother was Jezebel. Jehoram did evil in the eyes of the Lord, but God would not destroy the house of David because of his covenant with David. And he promised to give a light to him and to his sons forever. The Edomites revolted against Judah and won, and then so did Libna. In other words, Judah was becoming smaller and weaker. Jehoram also put up high places and caused the inhabitants of Jerusalem to commit fornication against the Lord, and even Judah did too. Now we get a glimpse of the prophet Elijah. We don't see him, but he sends a letter to Jehoram and says, Because you have not walked in the ways of Jehoshaphat your dad, or Asa king of Judah, but have walked in the ways of Israel and have caused Judah and the inhabitants to sin. And because you have killed your brothers who were better than you, a great plague will the Lord bring to your people, your children, your wives, and all of your goods. And you will have a sickness by disease of your bowels until they fall out of you. So the Lord stirred up the Philistines and Arabians that were near the Ethiopians, and they came and broke Judah and took away plunder and the king's sons and his wives. And Jehoram, after two years of sickness, his bowels fell out, and the people did not make a funeral fire for him like his father's. In verse 20 of chapter 21, it says, He departed without being desired. The people did bury him in the city of David, but not with the kings. Thankfully, those other nations left the king's youngest son. So Ahaziah, the son of King Jehoram, reigned in his place. He only reigned for one year. His mother was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri, related to Ahab. His mom counseled him in wickedness. He joined forces with the king of Israel against Syria at Ramoth-Gilead again, and the Syrians struck the king of Israel. So he retreated to Jezreel in order to be healed. And Jehoram, king of Judah, went to check on him. Well, we learned in 2 Kings chapter 9 that Elisha secretly had Jehu anointed as king over Israel. So Jehu, the son of Nimshi, whom the Lord had anointed to cut off the house of Ahab, which is chapter 22, verse 7 of Second Chronicles. So not only did Jehu kill the king of Israel, but his sons and King Ahaziah of Judah and his sons. They did bury the king of Judah, but not because he was righteous, but because of his father who sought the Lord with all of his heart. Then the mama, when she found out that her son was dead, she killed all of the other sons of the royal seed of the house of Judah. But the daughter of the king took the youngest son of one year old and took him and his nurse and hid him. We also learn here that she was married to Jehoiada, the priest, and they hid him in the house of God for six years while Athaliah reigned over the land. 
And then when Joash was seven years old, Jehoiada the priest strengthened himself and took the captains into covenant with him. And they gathered the Levites of Judah and the chief fathers and came to Jerusalem. And all the congregation made a covenant with the king in the house of God. Then they surrounded the king and kept watch. And on the Sabbath, they brought out the king, put the crown on his head and gave him the testimony and made him king. The priest anointed him and said, God save the king. Now, when the queen Athaliah heard the commotion and the praising of the king, she came out into the house of the Lord. And when she looked and behold, the king stood at his pillar and the officers and the trumpeters were by the king and all the people of the land rejoiced and the sounding of the trumpets rang and also the singers with the instruments of the music and all those who were taught to sing praises. Then Athaliah ripped her clothes and said, treason, treason. Then the priest brought forth the captains and said, Take her out and anyone who follows her and slay her, but not in the house of the Lord. And it was done. Then the priest made a covenant between the king and the Lord's people. They broke down the house of Baal, the idol worship, and the priest of Baal were killed. He then appointed the priest of Levi to offer burnt offerings, as it was written in the law of Moses, with rejoicing and singing, as it was ordained by David. Then they brought the king to the throne of his kingdom, and the city was quiet. They had rest after they killed Athaliah with the sword. King Joash was seven years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years. His mom's name was Zebiah of Beersheba. Joash did what was right in the sight of the Lord all the days that Jehoiada the priest was alive. The king desired to repair the house of the Lord, and he set up a drive for people to bring money to repair it. Yet the Levites did not really support it. The king then called Jehoiada the chief priest and asked, Why have you not required the Levites to support this? For we learn here that the sons of Queen Athaliah, that wicked woman, broke up the house of God and dedicated some of those pieces to the idols. So at the king's command... They made a chest at the gate of the house of the Lord. And just as Moses had asked the people of Israel to bring an offering in order to make the tabernacle, so the king asked for people to bring an offering to repair the temple. The people brought in abundance. They were able to hire masons and carpenters and they worked with perfection. And they set the house of God to its original design, and they even strengthened it. And with the excess, they were able to make all of the vessels for the house of the Lord. They continually offered burnt offerings in the house of the Lord all the days of Jehoiada the priest. But the priest became old and died at 130 years old. The people ended up burying him among the kings because he had done so much good toward God and toward his house. Now, after he died, the officials came to the king and the king listened to them and they brought back idol worship and left the house of the Lord. God sent prophets to them to bring them back to him, but they would not hear. Then the Spirit of God came upon Zechariah, the son of Jehoiada, the priest, who stood above the people and said, 
Because you have forsaken the Lord, so has he forsaken you. The king and the people stoned the prophet to death in the court of the house of the Lord. Verse 22 of chapter 24. And it says that Joash the king did not remember the kindness which the priest Jehoiada had done to him. Instead, he killed his son. And when his son died, he said, The Lord look upon it and require it. And it came to pass, verse 23, that Syria came up against Judah and Jerusalem. They destroyed all the leaders and sent the spoil to the king of Damascus. They left King Joash there, but he was not well. His own servants killed him on his bed and he died. They buried him in the city of David, but not with the kings. And Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Ladies, there are three things I'd like to point out today. For the first, we're going to the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 23. He is confronting the scribes and the Pharisees of his day of their various sins. And then he mentions how Israel had killed the prophets that God had brought to them. Then he says in verse 35, that upon you may come all the righteous blood shed upon the earth from the blood of righteous Abel unto the blood of Zechariah, whom you slew between the temple and the altar. Abel was the first man killed by his brother because Abel's sacrifice was pleasing to the Lord. This is found in Genesis, the first book of the Old Testament. Well, in the Hebrew Bible, Second Chronicles is the last book. So Jesus is saying from the first to the last of the Old Testament, all of the prophets who died, their blood rests upon their shoulders. Then in their own words, in Matthew 27, verse 22, Pilate asked the chief priest, elders, and the people. Pilate asked, what shall I do with Jesus, who is called the Christ? They shouted, crucify him, crucify him. Pilate asked, why, what has he done? But it was futile. So Pilate takes a basin of water and washes his hands and says, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. And they answered, his blood be on us and on our children. Wow. Jesus was correct. Now back in chapter 23, Jesus then looks over Jerusalem and he says, Oh, Jerusalem, oh, Jerusalem. You who killed the prophets and stoned them, who were sent to you. How often I have longed to gather your children as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not have it. The Lord desires for his people to come to him, but they would not come. Secondly, this time of reading through the Bible, I have been using the King James Version because it does a great job of keeping the form of the Hebrew and the Greek's original writings. One thing I've noticed is that throughout the Kings, it says they did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, or they did what was wicked in the eyes of the Lord. Sometimes when I write down for the lesson, I will write that wicked king. And then I stop and I say, well, the Bible's technically saying his actions were wicked. This reaffirms to me that no one is perfect and everyone does good and bad. I have an Old Testament timeline that I reference and the quote, good kings are starred. And in the back of my mind, I think, yeah, but they're not fully good. But... 
In 2 Chronicles chapter 24, verse 7, the writer describes the queen of Judah, Athelia, as that wicked woman. He is making the point there was nothing good in her. In the New Testament, Paul in Romans 3.23 says that we have all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And then he goes on and says that we who believe, the key ladies is water who do we believe in. But if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we are justified freely by his grace through his redemption. That was why he died and rose again. He was the sacrifice for us. And then lastly, Micaiah the prophet that spoke of King Ahab of Israel's death described the people of Israel as sheep without a shepherd. Back in the Gospel of Matthew, the first book of the New Testament, he writes in chapter 10, verse 35 through 38, that Jesus went throughout all Israel, preaching, teaching, healing. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion because they were faint and scattered as sheep without a shepherd. Then Jesus said to his 12 disciples, the harvest truly is great but the laborers are few. Pray therefore to the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, then pray and ask God how you are to labor for his harvest. God has something for you to do. I heard a quote once that said, have I yet begun to fulfill that for which I have been created for? Ladies, if you hear his voice today, let's not harden our hearts like the wicked queen Athalia. Instead, let's be women who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and women who pray and obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.